is Camilla, and you're listening to the Cat's Whisker, a time machine for all those who love rock and roll and want to know everything about it. People, stories, and the music that changed the world. In a few words, it doesn't matter whether you've lived through those years or, just like me, you've always wondered what it was like. I have loads of stories to tell and great music to play. So, let's roll! Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cat's Whisker. I am Camilla and happy Valentine's Day to everyone. And since it's Valentine's Day, I needed to be on topic. Being a good team is the key to a good relationship and the fact that many of the most celebrated rock and roll songs have been written by a husband and wife team just feels natural. And we know that there are many musicians that wrote together as a couple, but today I'll tell you about people that made writing love songs for each other a career. Today will all be about life stories and I find them very interesting and empowering. These people are often not well-known names and they literally were the first to ever try being full-time songwriters. And I really hope that if you're an artist out there, these people will inspire you. Because before being successful songwriting teams, these people were individuals who wanted more from their lives. And even if you might not know them, I assure you that you've heard their music and you've sang their words. And that's probably one of the coolest things you can ask for in life. Besides love. And they had both. Let's start with Felice and Woodlow Bryant, whose compositions have been hits for the Everly Brothers, Buddy Holly and many others. And their work has been pivotal in launching the Nashville music scene. They met in 1945 in Milwaukee, which was Matilda Scaduto's old town. Not long before she became a professional songwriter, she was only 19 and working as a lift operator in a hotel. Butlow, originally from Georgia, happened to be at the same hotel. He was in town because he was playing the violin in some shows with his country music band. When Butlow and Matilda met, it was love at first sight. Matilda, renamed Felice by her husband, said that the first time she saw him, she recognized him immediately. She had seen him in a dream when she was eight. They were dancing together to their song, the song that they wrote. They got married five days after their first meeting and stayed together until his death in the 80s. The first years together were tough though. They both loved music and had been writing songs ever since they were little, but making it a full-time job was another story altogether. They were living in a mobile home and trying to make ends meet. Butlow worked both as a musician and as a mechanic, and Felice kept writing songs, both on her own and with Butlow. They first thought it was just a way to spend time, something they were doing for their own amusement. But after completing about 80 compositions, the couple started to think that no one else they knew had millions selling records sitting in the drawers of their mobile home. They knew the songs were good and desperately tried to sell them, but no one seemed to be interested. Until the country singer Little Jimmy Dickens recorded their composition, Country Boy. It charted really well and made sure that they got noticed by the right people. And Fred Rose was the rightest of them all. RCA Nashville's label chief, mentor to both Hank Williams and Chet Atkins. They were impressed by their work and decided to spread the word about a couple that wrote songs together. And in that moment, Budlow and Felice Bryant became probably the first full-time songwriters in history. They were writing about all sorts of themes. It was usually Felice who would invent a situation, a context for a song. In her own words, I always wrote. I wrote letters and poetry that I would tear up so that they couldn't be found. I wrote all the time, even if I was only doodling. I had to have someone to talk to, so I talked to myself. 
I don't read music. I don't play an instrument. The words themselves will have a musical value. That's how I can compose a melody. Then, Butler will write the music down, or I'll turn on the tape machine. And their music, as Butler always said, had a few words and not very many notes. And that's the key to their success. And when they wrote a song, they had their own way to find it at home. Sometimes, and I absolutely love this as an Italian, the business proposals would happen over a plate of Felice's famous spaghetti. They pitched songs to many recording artists, but the ones they wrote the most for were certainly the Everly Brothers. Phil Everly described them as masters, stating he learned from them more than anybody else. They gave them their debut single, Bye Bye Love, a song that was written one night when the couple was driving down a highway. The Bryants knew it was good, but they had started to lose hope when it was rejected by 30 artists. Publishers told them, it's not suitable, why don't you give me a stronger song? Bye Bye Love was then picked up by the Everly Brothers and became an instant success. Then they wrote over 20 songs for the duo. Hits like Wake Up Little Susie, Donna Donna, and two songs credited solely to Butlow, All I Have to Do Is Dream and Bird Dog. Felice and Butlow Bryant wrote songs for other artists as well, mostly on the country scene, but one of their most beautiful songs was written for one of the biggest rock and roll icons, Buddy Holly. They wrote for him, Raining in My Heart, a truly beautiful song released after his tragic death and that became famous as one of his last recordings ever. Their compositions have been covered by some of the greatest artists of all time, including Roy Orbison, Tony Bennett, Jerry Lee Lewis, Simon and Garfunkel, Bob Dylan, Sarah Vaughan, The Grateful Dead, Elvis Costello, Ray Charles and many others. <laughs> Later on, the rock and roll scene blossomed in other places around the country. One of the main ones was New York, where the Brill Building was cranking out some of the best tunes in the 60s, and many of them were actually written by husband and wife writing teams. We've already talked about Jerry Goffin and Carole King in my last episode, all dedicated to Carole King. They wrote some great hits during the 60s, such as Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow, The Locomotion, Chains, take good care of my baby, you make me feel like a natural woman. But what is even more amazing is that Carole King also managed to become one of the most successful singer-songwriters of all time. So if you want to know more, go check it out. But some of Goffin and King's closest friends, and in this case, closest competition, was certainly the duo Barryman and Cynthia Wheel. She was the lyricist and he was the composer, and together wrote innumerable hits and between them, the most played song in radio history, You Lost That Loving Feeling by the Righteous Brothers. Their first song together was the 1961 Bless You for Tony Orlando. And in the following years, they went on to write Uptown for the Crystals, Where Have You Been All My Life for Arthur Alexander, and then covered by both Jerry and the Pacemakers and the Beatles. And they went back to the same artists a few times. They wrote some songs for the Drifters, like the celebrated On Broadway, Saturday Night at the Movies, and Come On Over to My Place. And even for the Ronettes, with Walking in the Rain, You Baby, and Born to Be Together. And even when rock was evolving, they managed to change with the times and wrote We Gotta Get Out of This Place for the Animals, Kicks for Paul Revere's and the Raiders, and a few songs recorded by the Monkees, such as Shades of Grey, but originally for the Willoughbys and Love Is Only Sleeping. Barry and Wheel also wrote I Just Can't Stop Believing, made famous by Bobby V, but especially by Elvis's rendition in the 70s. 
They would go on to write for many musicians and with many musicians such as Gene Pitney, Chaka Khan, BJ Thomas, Dolly Parton, Lionel Richie and many others. They've been nominated to the Oscars and Golden Globes and won two Grammys for the song Somewhere Out There from the film An American Tale. My absolute favorite and honestly one of my life mantras though is a song from 1969 written for Cass Elliot, the beautiful make your own kind of music. From that same Brill building another couple wrote some of the most beautiful songs of the 60s, Jeff Berry and Ellie Greenwich. They met when they were already staff songwriters and then decided to write exclusively with each other. Greenwich always loved writing songs and started at a young age. When she was in school, she used to play the accordion and write songs about her school crush. And after being rejected by the Manhattan School of Music because they wouldn't accept accordion players, she decided to switch to piano and study at Queens College. She published her first self-written single when she was only 17 and some of her teachers made fun of her for recording pop music. So she decided to change school and subsequently kick ass in pop music. In fact, it didn't take long for her to start working at the Brill Building. In 1962, when she stepped in the building for the first time, Greenwich had an appointment with John Gluck Jr., who told her to wait in an office. And that wasn't just anybody's office, it was Jerry Lieber's and Mike Stroller's office. The songwriters behind many songs such as Jailhouse Rock, Hound Dog, Kansas City, Stand By Me. I mean, if there's anybody you'd like to be discovered by, it's these two. And that's exactly what happened. She started playing piano and singing in the office and soon Jerry Lieber poked his head in to see who it was. He thought it was Carol King, but seeing the immense potential in that girl he never met, the songwriting duo decided to sign Greenwich as a staff writer for their company. She was a machine. Greenwich recorded so many demos that people started calling her New York's Demo Queen. She collaborated with Tony Powers and Ben Riley, but everything changed when she met Jeff Berry. He had entered the music business as a singer, but quickly got noticed as a songwriter. I mean, if you manage to sell one of your first songs to Sam Cooke, what can I say? <laughs> you know. Barry met Greenwich at the 1959 Thanksgiving dinner. Apparently they had some mutual relatives and might have actually met each other as kids in the past, but the first formal introduction happened on that day. And even if Barry was married to another woman, him and Greenwich were perfectly in tune with each other straight away. They got married in 1962 and wrote together until the end of the decade. They were writing exclusively with each other and at times with Phil Spector. These two are the minds between Dadu Ron Ron, a hit for the Crystals in 1963, and in the same year, be My Baby and Baby I Love You for the Ronettes. And even Hanky Panky first recorded by the Raindrops, the group Greenwich and Barry founded, but then made famous by Tommy James and the Shondells. And Do What Diddy for the Exciters that then became a hit for Manfred Mann. And Christmas, Baby Please Come Home for Darlene Love, definitely a holiday classic. I mean, what a year in 1963, all these songs, all in that year. Wow. And the next year, Greenwich and Barry wrote, among others, the leader of the pack for the Shangri-Las and Chapel of Love for the Dixie Cups, also covered by the Ronettes, Bette Midler and the Beach Boys. Unfortunately, their wedding did not survive their fame, though. The two continued to work together, even when their relationship hit a rough patch. And between the last songs they penned, there are I Can Hear the Music for the Ronettes and later covered by the Beach Boys, and River Deep, Mountain High for Ike and Tina Turner. And 
you might think that today I should actually leave you with a romantic quote, but I think it doesn't really matter whether you are single, in a couple, or you're struggling with your significant other. I really want to dedicate this last quote to songwriters and to everyone who wants to have a career in music. So I really want to leave you with these words by the unique Bootle O'Brien. Unless one feels driven to compose and at the same time has all the instincts of a Mississippi riverboat gambler, he should never seek songwriting as a profession. Unless you know in your heart that you're great, feel in your bones that you're lucky and think in your soul that God just might let you get away with it, pick something more certain like chasing the white whale or eradicating the common housefly. We didn't have the benefit of such sage advice. Now it's too late to back up. We made it. Sometimes it pays to be ignorant. And now, me, Camilla, I just want to tell you that if you really want to do something, if you really feel like your art is worth something and you want to share it with the world, just do it. Love yourself and love your art because it's worth it. Thank you very much for listening to this episode and I wish you a happy Valentine's Day whether you are alone or you have someone special beside you even if it's a friend or a family member remember to let them know that you love them today and actually you're in luck because you can dedicate them so many beautiful songs I'll see you next week Ciao!